the optimal life. Tony Wall, how are you today, sir? I am well, thank you very much, Nate. So I wanna start here, I was looking at your website. You're a self-proclaimed racist, and you, have a <laughs> quote, and you have a quote on your website that says, quote, racism is not a choice, it's an evolutionary mechanism. Dig into that for us, please. Um, yeah, I'm happy to, and I, I'm very, very pleased uh, to see that you would start us off in that way. Actually, I'm very, very, I'm quite pleased. You know, when you come out like that, like I'm a self-proclaimed racist, what, what, what you're talking about is the idea that uh, I read, wrote a, uh, an article called Racism, We Have It All Wrong. In this article, I explained that two things are true. Number one, that we are all racist. And number two, here's the good news. We don't have a choice. So when we blame one another for racism and we hurl epithets back and forth, uh, we're missing the point very, very badly. And then I go on to defend that point. Um, racism is a tribal relic, fear of the other. Uh, the other is a, a well-known um, well character in, uh, that comes out of the uh, existential uh, school of thought. Uh, fear of the other is anybody who is not me, anybody who does not look like me, he or she who is not me. So we've now, so, so we've taken this thing uh, and we've somehow uh, come to the idea that race and skin color are somehow related. I'm afraid they are not. So we've got it all wrong. Um, I'm going to defend that as being precisely correct. Uh, blaming one another for our racism. I would ask this, how's that working out? Any good? I didn't think so. So we need to come at it differently. So I, at great risk, I explain things that other people simply won't. When you say that racism is not really related to skin color, I wanna hear more about that. How, how are the two different? Um, and how would you define, how would you actually define then racism? I would define it as a tribal relic that is rooted deeply in our evolutionary past. Um, and that is an argument also that is very, very easy to defend in a mathematical way. Here it is. Um, we all own the present moment. It's, in fact, it's the only thing we own is the present moment we can all agree that we are all here, we exist, and that we share a present moment. Uh, we also must understand something that's, I don't need to sell, something that's an absolute, irrefutable, inarguable fact, and that is that we have been evolving for five to seven million years. The idea that five million years of human evolution and the compulsions and impulses that come with that. The idea that they do not weigh upon us very heavily in our present moment is, I'm gonna say preposterous. Mm. Um, so, so we, right away, uh, we're uh, in a battle, human beings are in a battle in the present moment that we can never win, never ever win. And that is the idea of impulses and compulsions that activate 20 times faster than the thinking brain. So we are overmatched out of the gate. And because of that, 
where we find ourselves as human beings, as a species, in deep trouble. Where we find ourselves is suddenly no, uh, no stretch, is it? Uh, so uh, I'm here to explain to everybody that if we were not seeing exactly what we're seeing all around us today, something would be wrong clinically. So what we're seeing is extremely explainable. And if we weren't seeing it, then uh, something would be very, very wrong as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And, and when you say then that it's not related to skin color per se, um, what do you think about what, what exactly are you saying? I guess I'm having tr trouble correlating and, and relating the two. Uh, I, I'm saying that racism and uh, when we hurl racial epithets at one another, we're missing the point badly. We are okay. born with tribal relics that are way stronger than our ability to, to defeat them. So and let me ask you, let me just interrupt you real quick, Tony. So you're saying, if I'm hearing you correctly, that because of the millions of years of people that came before us, our ancestors upon ancestors, yeah. and the DNA that's been created in our brains, that anybody that doesn't look, talk, or act like us, we have some form of fear slash bias against. Is that correct? It is precisely correct, and it is not only correct for human beings, it's correct for anything that is alive. It's it's number one, it's job one is to survive. So it, it runs the entire spectrum of anything that lives. Show me a bear uh, in a woods who's not in a protective mode, that bear will run from us. Show me a paramecium that is disturbed by the probe of a scientist inside a Petri dish and that paramecium will run. So apparently we share a lot of things uh, in common that we never thought about. And number one is the will to live. So when we see anyone, never mind racism, the way the brain works is this, whatever we don't recognize is a danger until it's not. Now that thing is escaped. Now that precise, uh, what I just said is extremely reasonable. However, it seems to have escaped the barn, and it seems to have taken on a rather grotesque quality. Uh, we are seeing divisions deeper than we've ever, ever seen. It's, they're all around us. It would appear that we're falling apart, right? No, we're acting naturally. We are acting as any being would that is fearful. Fear chooses safety in numbers. That immediately explains, doesn't it, why us and them is more pronounced than ever. Are we arguing about politics or are we circling the wagons due to existential fear? I say it's the latter. Mm. So yeah, so sticking on this point just for a little bit, a uh, little longer, somebody like you who says we're all preordained essentially to be some form of racist because it's just something that we're not whoever's not like us we have these feelings about we're different they're different etc but what is the difference then tony between somebody like you who truly is not malicious and doesn't prejudice others versus somebody who truly does uh, the, the difference between me and that person correct i i, I think it uh, i think it's simple uh 
Uh, I think it's a, a matter of first upbringing and second of all, education and then experience, being able to connect dots um, divorced of emotion. And that's really uh, very, very critical right there. When what I've done over the, over the years is in examining macro human behavior, that is the behavior of large groups versus micro behavior, which is sometimes like a therapist and, and a patient. Um, the first thing I did was I divorced myself from emotion. I began to become a steely observer. And I began, and when I realized, and when I did that, I achieved a place where my reactions fell away. We are extremely reactionary beings. <laughs> um, that, that's not a hard sell either. When I, began, when I stopped reacting and started observing, um, all of my prejudices melted away and I became a forensic mind. Uh, so what you will hear this entire time that we're talking is a forensic take on, uh, on pretty much everything. Now, does that mean that I'm a kind of a robotic mind? Well, ask around. The answer is absolutely no. Um, there are gifts of nature that we are given that we could use appropriately so I use these gifts more appropriately than the next person because I live this, I live what I do. Uh, there is no value whatsoever in a, an emotional response in plotting survival strategies for humankind. Emotion has no place, blame has no place, judgment has no place, nor do they have utility. Let me ask you, Tony, what, what do you think is the number one cause? You've been doing studying this stuff for a long time. You put two kids together from different backgrounds, different upbringings, different skin colors, et cetera. Mm -hmm. they're, they're best friends. They see nothing. They see nothing in that regard besides another person just like them. And then something happens as they get a little bit older, past that four, five, six years old, and they start going into those you know, eight, 10, 12 emotional years where the emotions are changing and there's a lot of other factors, outside influences, noise, et cetera. What is the major cause for uh, uh, innocent, where we start off as these young innocent beings and ultimately begin to develop these divisive prejudices? Um, well, the idea that we're, let's start with the idea that um, it seems to uh, in, in, have, in, in settled in on the whole human race we we've deduced that at at birth that we are kind of a clean slate we most certainly are not uh, again we have sewn into our dna by every when i arrived in my mother's arms i already had two hundred and seventy-five thousand prior generations before me and that's generations folks that's not years uh what's that now I said that's generations you're speaking on, not not just. I, I, meant, I meant I meant generations. Thank you. <laughs> right? No, no, you did say generations. I want to make sure the listeners really understand what you're saying. That's generations. That's that's a lot. There's a lot more years in, in that number. Uh, yeah, yeah. Thank you. I, I do appreciate that. Yeah, if we do the math on this. By the way, what Noisha says, we are we are based in fact. The only thing that we will risk is something that we that stands to reason. An argument we can make and defend. If it's not that, you won't hear it here because Beautiful. humanity does not have a luxury of theory anymore. We need answers. Okay. Um, 
so going back to these two these two kids the idea that we arrive in our mother's arms as a a blank slate is it cannot be shown um we uh, our impulses and compulsions that were gifted to us by nature i say gift these are gifts of nature that have greatly distorted in the modern day so these are gifts that paradoxically now prevent us from evolving the very gifts that god is here are now preventing us from moving ahead because they push us around like schoolyard bullies. We have no ability to defend against what activates 20 times faster than the thinking brain. So we're going to need to understand that out of the gate, if we're going to plot strategies for human sustainability. When you say gifts, what are some examples of those gifts? Well, the most obvious example, Nate, is is the broad category of fight or flight. Uh, it's a, extremely broad. It has many, many tentacles. Um, so, let's look through the eyes of um, uh, of uh, an ancient ancestor of a hundred thousand years ago. Certainly, there uh, it's no stretch that their environment was way, way harsher than ours. So. <clears throat> Uh, they were on high alert all the time, every day, all day, planning strategies of survival. So if one of our group came to us with information, we didn't have any interest in positive information, did we? Because that didn't keep us alive. What kept us alive was negative information. The idea that, hey, I found where a pack of hungry boars is hiding to ambush us. I know where they are. I had extra value in survival with that type of information. Under this banner of negative information, uh, the things that used to hunt us are long dead, Nate, long dead. But apparently, these impulses and compulsions gifted to us by nature to keep us alive from those long dead enemies didn't get the memo, did they? Hmm. So that gives rise logically to the mis in, uh, to misinterpretations of any given thing that's in front of us in the modern day. We will very likely misinterpret it. We will very we will absolutely respond in a misaligned fashion, and it's explainable. So now, when we see people beating one another up over the social media it's mathematically impossible to be angry at a stranger that means that we are misinterpreting our environment we mathematically impossible to be angry at a stranger i've never been angry at a stranger for any good reason right but don't you feel like somebody that's on social media that's hurling insults at you or attacking your family or attacking what you do might cause some type of anger emotion inside? Uh, it, it most certainly would. It most certainly would. However, if we, again, divorce ourselves from our emotions, we then begin to understand what's driving that particular person. And any resentment and anger that we arrive at melts away completely. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, we arrive at, uh, uh, at, at something that has to do with that they're processing. 
So what um, do you call it then? These 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 maniacs online going back and forth with each other. What do you call that? If you're saying that they're misinterpreting and mathematically they cannot truly be angry at each other, what can they be at each other? They can be suffering from a very well-known evolutionary crossover event uh, uh, th that broke the human heart. And when I say something like that, you get to say, you better be able to defend that, Mr. Wall. And Mr. Wall will say, I certainly can. So when I see those people battling it out, I don't see the anger. I see the pain. I don't see. Uh, I don't see the the weapon in their hand. I see the broken heart in their chest. So, um, we don't see cruelty here. We see pain, and we can, and we get busy um, not describing the pain because we can. Anybody can do that. We we can get together tonight and go see the latest apocalyptic movie. So. When Noesis explains all these maladies, we bring no value. We better have an explanation. We better have an, an idea of how to unwind this thing. So your next question is a great one. What injury? All right, well, once, you, once, you, once we know where to look, it, you'll never unsee it. And I make the point here that what I will now explain to you has never ever been visible because we never had the data that we now have regarding the evolutionary journey of the human species on this earth. What was, what was conjecture 50 years ago no longer is. We can view our journey on this earth in great detail. And I would say that we better, I would say that we better, okay? Hope for the human race as far as evolving into a sustainable species is in that uh, is in that now visible uh, timeline. So let's go to about ten to twenty thousand years ago, Nate. Or pardon me, um, uh, yes, Nate. Of course. Sorry about that. Let's go to ten to twenty thousand years ago. Now, at this point, human beings had, were coming off of a two hundred and seventy-five thousand year period of traversing the entire globe, uh, and and we needed to be a tight knit group or we died. So collaborate or die was in our DNA. When we arrived to all areas of the globe 20 to 10,000 years ago. So it would appear the idea that we are wired to collaborate is not a hard sell. So what happened to us? I explained that the human heart was broken. <laughs> this better be good. And I think it is. So when there's nowhere else to go in the world, what do we do? We logically settle down and our populations logically grow. And our villages logically became little towns and those towns became cities. Those cities would eventually become empires. Well, let's go back when we, to the point where we started to settle down and that's where the human injury finds ground zero. We can easily agree that the behaviors brought forth by settling down into larger populations and the behaviors of collaboration wandering the globe are two different sets of realities. So what happened when we, our populations got bigger? We had an agricultural awakening that helped us grow bigger and bigger 
crops and our populations got bigger and bigger, stationary human beings are, were the new reality. Wandering human beings were the old one. We took up, for the first time, we took up behaviors of acquisition. So acquisitive behavior uh, crowded out our deepest longings for collaboration to assist and to be assisted. It was nobody's fault, Nate. Again, we go back to the beginning. Blame, judgment do not apply and have no utility. So here we are propagating now in larger and larger groups. We've taken up acquisitive behavior. What did that create? Logically, it created greater and lesser beings. It had to. It had no other choice. These are random events that I explained, Nate. Um, so we, we, let me just get straight to it. A greater being deludes itself that it is greater. A lesser being, let's go visit the lesser being here. A lesser being will spend its life in a biological war with its, with its own biology. We don't know what greater means, do we? Or pardon me, what lesser means. And we will escape a lesser reality. Any diminishment whatsoever will spend our lives escaping it. So that crossover event, when collaboration yielded to acquisition, it broke the human heart. It did not recognize what it was seeing. This How many a, years ago do you think that was, Tony? Uh, was it 10,000 or a little less? It, it, it basically was 20 to 10. So why do I say 20 to 10? Well, um, people along our evolutionary journey, uh, people stopped and settled down uh, maybe 50,000 years ago. Were there settlements of humans? Yes. And they took up acquisitive behaviors, in fact, and they would go on to fail mathematically. Okay. Uh, the dynamic that I'm explaining is a socio-mathematical constant. Do we blame constants? Would Nate and Tony blame two plus two equals four? Or would we simply point it out as being a universal constant? So acquisitive behavior ignites a meritocracy among humans. A meritocracy unchecked. Show me anyone, Nate without exception. I don't care if it's a country. I don't care if it's a kitchen at Denny's. Show me an unchecked meritocracy and I'll show you trouble. Right. Up ahead. Because ultimately it lead those the unchecked meritocracy leads to envy and jealousy and mm. upheaval. Where the where the group that's not winning because they're they're not at the top of their performers, they become the masses and they retaliate. Uh, they they do, but it's not situational, as our history books explain. Our history books are always situ situational, but if we read five of them, it will pop into our head one day that, hey, I just read the same play, only with different actors. Um, a lesser being will arrive at resentment. Resentment was a new, a new thing for the human mind. It was a stranger to the human mind. It was a biological insult, not a situational one. So resentment 
resentment was new. Resentment. I'm sorry, Tony. Resentment was new mm -hmm. because there were no meritocracies twenty thousand years ago. It was all equal. In the one, in, in the yes, yes. Go back to the wandering nomadic human group. Okay. Um, it rolled along like a wheel. All of its parts were necessary, and all of the people felt precisely at home within their roles. Um, whoever the leader was, that uh, situated itself naturally. We were pretty darn glad of whoever our leader was. It was almost like it the was leader was naturally chosen by the group and everyone was, was happy that it was he or she. Yes, and anybody else, nobody else was lesser. They were simply part of a wheel that rolled along and it and and, and if the wheel went flat, the party would die. It was all even contribution, essentially. Yes. So necessary beings became lesser beings. And now your problem must happen and it must be constant in its failure. And it would, in fact, go on to be. And it is, in fact, happening right now all around us. The very same exact. I want to be, want to be clear here. These are, these are socio-mathematical constants that we call situations. They never were. They never were. You show me a diminished human being and I'll show you trouble. And there will be no exceptions other than force. But force begets more resentment and it's a washing machine and it's gonna blow. Okay, so this is the place that Nuisis comes from to explain that what we're viewing is natural behavior of a diminished human being. So we are preordained to fail mathematically by random events that we never understood, but that we can darn well understand now and we better get busy. So this is what we're here for, to explain what drives human failure, not to judge it or blame it, we need to make friends with the extremely strong uh, impulses and compulsions that are making the rules. We banished them into the basement. Apparently, they didn't get the memo. They, they, apparently, they weren't listening. And that makes sense. Our, our DNA was insulted. This I'm explaining a biological insult uh, to uh, the human being was derailed biologically um, when meritocracy intruded upon the human experience for the first time. Nobody got together and, and had a meeting and say, I think we'll ruin the whole human race here. Now, these were random events. Um, our little our little villages became little towns our towns became um bigger towns they became cities and one day they would become empires so the new reality began to discourage collaboration that was in our dna and then eventually crowded out collaboration and went straight into the self-interest of acquisitive behavior when that happened, it formed the first meritocracy among human beings. Greater and lesser beings were created. Um, I've explained, and that you you uh, picked up on this instantly last time, was that 
we're talking about a socio-mathematical constant that was ignited by these random events, and it worked like this. Um, a, a, uh, a greater being deludes itself that it is greater, um, and it will press those delusions down upon what it calls lesser beings in an unchecked meritocracy. Uh, the greater beings are one thing, but let's go visit the lesser beings, and here's where the trouble begins, okay? Um, a lesser being did not have a situational concern. A lesser being, I want to make this clear, had a biological insult, direct arrow to the heart of human DNA. It did not recognize what greater was a it was not a situ, it was not a decision like hey i don't think i'm happy here no it was a direct insult you show me a diminished human being a lesser being and i'll show you a being that will spend its entire life escaping the lesser station assigned to it so the human injury is exactly as i say it is a biological insult, a psychic injury. It would go on, these new dynamics, unchecked. That's a big word here, Nate. Unchecked meritocracy. Whether when you say unchecked, Tony, what exactly does that mean, unchecked? I'll, I'll thank you. I know exactly what you mean by the question. We have been practicing unchecked meritocracy for 10,000 years we have failed every single time, and our failures are not situational. No, we, do, we are not facing highly complex social issues and examining our failures because our failures all look precisely the same. And when there is precision, we are in the presence of a constant. A constant is anything that can be reproduced all over the world, all over the universe. And we can foretell the future when 80 human cultures have collapsed by the churn of perpetual conflict caused by the socio-mathematical constants. We can foretell the future. How? By a mathematical equation. Two plus two equals four yesterday. It equals four today. And it will equal four tomorrow. That is the essence of a constant. I just foretold the future. We are in an unchecked meritocracy. It is a global one. We must fail. And our failure will look predictable, and it will make us eminently normal in a cosmic fashion. We must fail, Tony, because there are millions I don't know what the number is. There's lesser beings and there's greater beings and the lesser beings will always cause th this, this thing to fail because of, because of the hierarchy that we live under. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, that's a great question. What we, we have a, uh, a document in on the website It's called the hierarchy of human value. Um, that was a pretty way, a prettier way of saying financial meritocracy unchecked is, is a, is a failure. There are no exceptions. There never have been. Um, and the this goes back to the word unchecked. You said, what does it mean, Tony? Okay. Mm. 
um, here's what I have to say. Somebody's going to say to me any day, well, you mean to tell me that we can't, we have to actually rid ourselves of a, of capitalism because that's a meritocracy. No, no, no. I'm happy to make somebody real surprised here, perhaps the whole world. Sentient creatures must be free. And the only thing that will make a sentient being free is capitalism. We need to grow, we need to move about. Capitalism allows us to do that, it makes us free. But the decisions that we make within this same model must be revisited and unchecked meritocracy must become checked meritocracy, where lesser beings no longer feel lesser, but rather necessary. We will, in fact, in, in effect, return as much as we possibly can, because we're not wandering anymore, are we? We're not migrating. But we must reconnect. We must get acquisitive behavior and collaborative longings to meet and bargain. And only that will allow us to evolve to sustainability. Only that. If, Tony, let me ask you. Let me ask you real quick. Yeah. In a real life example, when you say lesser beings must become more relevant, they must feel respected. I think I'm reading between the lines. So for in a real world example, let's just say the janitor of the company and the CEO of the company. And you're saying that that janitor needs to be lifted up and elevated up in order for this thing to, in order for this thing to really work. Any human being that feels lesser or diminished, whether real or, or imagined, is the constant failed it's a it, right up ahead any anything diminished whatsoever mm -hmm. is gonna torpedo the system as a constant so this thing we do as humans if it were a fuel tank is on dead empty okay when we when we take our civilizations and we rise out of the ashes of our most current failure or our most recent failures, we then put models together that look the same as the last ones in no time whatsoever. No matter what our best intentions are, that is a fact. So we are reading history books as if that are telling us about the circumstances of our failures. They tell us what the situations were. The situations are variables. The constant is the washing machine where greater and lesser beings act and react against one another until the whole thing blows in precisely predictable fashion. Let me ask you, Tony, let me just uh, butt in here. Because back to the thing where you say about the, the real, rather real or perceived, you said, so how can somebody, a lesser being, even if, even if everyone's doing the right thing to bring that being up, to feel respected, to feel part of the team, and that being just is naturally going to perceive him, him and, or herself as lesser still because he is the janitor and he's lived a life of, of rags 
and his he sees people living their lives of riches. How how do we fix that? You just talked about an unchecked meritocracy. I talk about a checked one. And it, to answer your question, how? Well, here's how we don't fast. We don't do anything fast. Uh, and if, uh, a, a human race that will that evolves into a sustainable future. First of all, let me tell you something, Nate. Anthropological computer models assign us two percent or less chance to make it out of technological childhood. I am very sorry. That is in in fact something that people don't know and that we need to understand. Okay, uh, extinction is the norm. Survival is the exception. Okay, so we're going to need decades and decades of human education to determine what makes us fail. What are the impulses and compulsions that press down upon our present moments every day that activate 20 times faster than the thinking brain that we think, we think we're going to order them out of the way so we can evolve. They're making the rules. <laughs> but when How's you say, that? when you say, un, I, that wasn't a, a unchecked example. So what would be the checked example? The checked example would be what happens within, uh, after a hundred years of literally turning this human vessel in the water like an aircraft carrier, slowly. We will need to literally change human thought in a wholesale manner that can never ever occur unless in years and years and years go by of education. We will stop looking upon what we see as, look at this mess, and we will change to what's driving this mess. So is the checked versus the unchecked more of a mentality? No, uh, ch the, the checked reality is one that occurs after decades and decades of edu slow drip education. So you're That's saying correct. right now it's impossible, right? I think if I'm hearing you correctly, in, in today's day, tomorrow, the next day, it's impossible for there to be a completely checked meritocracy. Uh, unchecked meritocracy is, uh, uh, is something that just naturally occurs right. in, in, uh, when we put our new cultures together. But, but, but tomorrow, because you're saying this is going to take decades of work, there is not a single checked meritocracy in today's day and age. Oh, no, there there's most certainly is. Some of the best companies, some of the most successful operations uh, feature a checked meritocracy where the people within those systems feel extremely appreciated, extremely. Okay. Right? So, um, uh, but when you, know, you say it's going to take decades and decades, you're saying for the majority, is that what you're saying? I'm saying for human beings to reach a sustainable future, to find the future, we think we're going to wake up in one day like the Jetsons. We will need to understand all of the evolutionary compulsions and impulses that press down upon us and why they place us in a conflict every single time and why they keep us there. And so you're saying that our brain can't even keep it's it's so enthralled within us it's so deep in our dna in our brain in our systems that we can't even react to it because our impulsion our compulsions and our impulses are acting so much faster 
than our brain. To answer your question, yes, that's precisely what I'm saying. I, I, I'm, I'm going to say it straight out, and I would love for anybody to defeat um, what I'm about to say because that means that I could go back to being a retired gentleman and go back to the golf course, Nate. <laughs> um, you know, here's the situation. The answer is this. This human trajectory, this very one, is not survivable in any way, shape, or form form it is not survivable we will not survive what we do again i want someone to come to me and put me out of business they will be congratulated heartily i've always <laughs> asked i've always asked for somebody to defeat these these common sense on steroids observations and my inbox is empty date i've been asked for 10 years well, people don't want you to play golf. They don't want you to have fun, Tony. Well, they do want me to play golf if you saw my game. <laughs> but but let me ask you a couple things. Because I do want to get more into noesis then, because you are talking about put me out of – let me retire so I can be done with this. Um, and, no, and I don't I just, want to be done so with much, it. No, nobody will put me out of business. Well, well I understand you know. what you're saying. I, I, I understand. So so I want to get into more of noesis. But before we get there, back to – you made a comment too about capitalism. And you said mm – -hmm. Everybody should capital a capitalist society is the the prime kind of structure. I think is what you were kind of saying. So but let me ask you: Isn't capitalism? While I agree with you, it is absolutely the best type of society. Doesn't that naturally create meritocracies, many of which are going to go unchecked? Uh, most certainly, but remember what keep, what I'm not making. I'm not making the point, and I take full responsibility for this. I'm I'm not communicating properly. So let me say it again. We will learn that we will learn that our unchecked meritocracies fail as a two plus two equal four constant. We will first have a world consensus that we are a species in extreme crisis and that we are in crisis by a no by a knowable crossover event that placed us into meritocracy for the first time and lesser beings were created we will begin to know this and we will educate an entire planet about what happened to us the human species was derailed no less than derailed, a train wreck. Now, we were placed into unnatural behavior. Lesser beings, obeying greater beings is a biological insult that derailed us. It placed us on an inertia right now that is not stoppable in any way other than like all inertias by an outside altering force. That force must be education occurring over decades and decades of time, completely rethinking the entire uh, the, the, the trajectory of the human species, gaining consensus that it's not survivable, what we do, period. And then we can only then deduce the uselessness of our models and choose to go in another way. We will literally re outthink ourselves. 
Okay, we're going to have to think our way into sustainability. We're not going to stumble into it. Remember, what's making the rules is not a thinking mechanism. To evolve, we're going to ask our ancient impulses and compulsions to step out of the way. We most certainly will not. We better make friends with them. Okay, we're going to make friends with them. We're going to bargain with them. We're going to reintegrate with them. Or this will fail just like two plus two will equal four. It's right. that simple. But this sounds to me, though, that it almost sounds as if explain why a capitalist society then still is better than a socialist society based upon what you're saying, based upon going back to 20,000 years ago, right? Because that socialism kind of feels more, at least on the surface, like those days before meritocracies were in place. Everything's equal. Everyone's the sum of all, you know, everyone's a, a, a prong on the wheel. So wh why not socialism? Uh, we're not wandering anymore, Nate, are we? We're stationary. Wandering human beings fell into a natural collaborative wheel that rolled along, but we stopped we stopped wandering and we settled down. Settling down creates a meritocracy, an acquisitive meritocracy. It's the unchecked version of that that has gone on to disassemble and destroy all 80 human cultures that have occurred since then. Okay, so you're, you're asking a good question. I understand. We are stationary beings now. We are at war with a collaborative DNA that wants to assist and to be assisted. It runs afoul of the self-interest of an unchecked meritocracy. We are made to be lesser and then we get busy escaping that. There is only one mathematical arrival for a lesser being. Resentment one, vengeance two, insurgency three. Right, right? but don't you, thing, think, don't you think playing the other side and I, I I'm the furthest thing for from socialist but wouldn't you think that the way you're explaining this is that a socialist society would create less resentment for the masses oh social no so, socialism is is uh, I gotta take it off the table immediately matter of fact pretend that I'm swiping the entire dinner table right off the there socialism out okay Socialism is an absolute failure. It does not render us free in any way. Capitalism renders us free to move about and to grow, okay? But what we do is we make other human beings whose DNA only recognizes equality, and we ask them to accept a lower station assigned to them, and they never ever, ever do. So if you put a lion or a tiger in a cage, it will eventually sit down. It will lay down there forever. Put a human being in a cage, as long as he's drawing oxygen, that human being will escape that cage. All right, so any diminished human being is the harbinger of doom for any meritocracy so this thing we're doing it's going to blow again it has to it's not going to be situational 
It's going to be mathematical. Is there an exact equation? You've talked about mathematical. Is there an equation or is it more of just a, a theory? No, I don't do theory. We don't do theory here. Uh, the minute we do theory with for a human race that needs answers now. So what's the equation, Tony? There are several equations. Um, I'll give you the most... Um, first of all, Nate, I, I want to ask you, well, always respectfully, you're asking me what's the equation. Now, you know, it, 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 a little bit of a catch question there. But it, it, somebody else might say, gee, well, I don't know. But you're talking to somebody who can actually give you the equations. So here it is. Um, what, what places us into perpetual conflict? There are two main conduits. One is blame and blame rejection. This is our model every day. We monetize what kills us. We didn't understand it, Nate. So blame, we blame everybody for everything, don't we? And we accept no blame ourselves. <laughs> what could go wrong here? So blame plus the blame rejection is gonna come back every time equals perpetual conflict. B plus BR equals PC. That's a constant. Blame is a threat to the human brain. It will respond with greater force because any threat is not bargained with, is it? We pulverize threats. So B and BR equals PC. So pick up a paper tomorrow and read every story. You're gonna read negative information, you're gonna read the situation, you're gonna read about the blame assessed, and you're gonna read about the blame rejected. And that rings cash registers. It's also killing us mm. and always has. So this thing that you do then with Noesis, who, who exactly are your clients and who are you working with in order to get this whole human race back on track? Okay, you were asking me, um, what will we do? What will Noesis do? Great question, here it comes. Uh, I better darn well have the answer to this or else or else you're going to the golf course, Tony. Nope, I'm not going to the golf course. Uh, while I draw oxygen, this is what I intend to do. I intend to unite the human race under a now forming banner that never existed. And that's called species self-preservation. Can we unite politically? We most certainly cannot. How about religiously? Please. How about culturally? Nope, we're not ready. How about species preservation bingo that's coming out of us rather rapidly out of the mist isn't it the idea that all human beings come from the same place is not conjecture anymore we are selecting ourselves for our own demise noesis is happy to hang around and wait for whatever nature has in store for us but what we will not do is sit still another second while human beings select themselves for what need not be. So this is about gaining a consensus. We're gonna to go to every country on this planet. We're gonna introduce ourselves. We're gonna get a consensus that human beings are a species in crisis. Not a hard sell, is it? Okay. 
Are we going to go in and say, let's unite politically? Yeah, right. How about religiously and culturally? Yeah, yeah, sure. Beat it. How about species preservation? Oh, wait, wait. Don't dash just yet. We can talk about that. So, 198 countries asked to give up nothing in the present time. Day. Nothing, nothing with no no revenue streams, no beliefs, nothing. We're uniting under species preservation, a banner that's now forming the end of the most remarkable and rare species possibly in a galaxy is visible to all of us now. We're failed yes. culture. Yes, and I think that but but when you look at what's going on with Russia and Ukraine, this is a perfect example. I don't care what you say about species preservation, Tony, and neither does Vladimir Putin, because he doesn't seem to care about that. So how would somebody like Noesis impact these terrible atrocities happening in those places? We wouldn't even think about them because I continue to fail in my ability to make something clear. This is a process of education that must unfold over decades. We are not speedboats. What's going on in Ukraine is the only logical arrival place of unchecked meritocracy. We are exactly where we are only able to arrive. This thing we do has only one destination and we've arrived at it. And is this a new place? No, sir. No, 80 human cultures have destroyed themselves in this precise fashion. Right, and here we are, yet here's just another example, right? Exactly, thank you very much. All this is, is the only mathematical arrival place of a, of a socio-mathematical constant that is now knowable in great detail, and we better get busy. So the book, what would the book be titled? The Human Injury when collaboration yielded acquisition and the dynamics that were ignited by it have brought us to the only place available to us. And that's different, isn't it? Instead of we're falling apart, no, we're not falling apart. We're at the only place we could be and ever it, will be. Yeah, in fact, the Russia situation is exactly <laughs> what your studies, what your work, your line of work, it shows it all time in and time out. This is exactly what is supposed to occur. We, in this, um, um, you, you, thank you very much. This I mean, is this right. Is like this really is exactly what is supposed to, and and there one, and this won't be the. This is not the first, and you're saying it won't be the last until it's going to take a long time for people to change. It will require the. Uh, we require a the re-education of the entire human species, hoping, hoping that unborn, the young and the unborn ahead of us can can be brought up in a completely different type yeah. of thinking. That's exactly what you're talking about here, Tony. That's you're exactly setting what I'm the stage. You're setting the early stage foundation. Tony's not going to be alive potentially. Once this thing, you know, 50, 100 years from now, when this thing hopefully has turned around, it's going to be the next generation and even the generation after them. It's a whole new, it's a whole kind of culture change throughout the whole world. It's a whole mentality shift. Uh, wow. 
couldn't put couldn't couldn't put it better in in um, in, in, in any way, shape, or form. So here, here's a great way to look at this. Now, uh, here's a, a terrific metaphor that everybody can get their arms around. And I'm going to make this one fast. Consider a hurricane. It blows through a town. And then the inhabitants get busy digging out from this hurricane. And they hear the voices of survivors underneath the debris. What do we get busy doing? We strip it away little at a time until we hear that until we get to those voices mm. we rescue them similarly the human race must strip its entire uh, the entire debris of hundreds of thousands of generations before us that lays on top of a being that now needs to evolve but can't get on out from under the debris Right, so what we're going to be doing is provide the, the education that will gift us a chance, Nate. We're not talking about we're going to get this done. No, it'll gift us a chance to do what perhaps no other intelligence in the galaxy has ever done, and that is to survive technological childhood. And here is one other uh, uh, metaphor I'd like to leave somebody with. We talked about the human injury. We've got two big concerns here. Um, impulses and compulsions, too many to count, too difficult to defeat. Okay, here's the other one, the human injury, the crossover event. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not, we began to, when we took up acquisitive behaviors, we began to technically and clinically act in an unnatural fashion. So, you know, during this conversation we just had, maybe three or four species went extinct. We lose 150 a day. There's been 5 billion extinctions on this planet. We are acting vaguely unnaturally. We continue to fail and fail. Mother Nature's in no mood, no mood, okay? We will be selected for our demise with frightening efficiency. The idea that we're gonna cheat this data is preposterous and dangerous. So noesis is now. Okay, so if I'm overly passionate, please accept my apologies. I, I, I see it, it's a concern whose time has come Mm-hmm. Oh, it's beautiful. I mean, it's beautiful stuff. And you guys are making an impact. You bite. What is it? Eat the elephant one bite at a time. I kind of, kind of think that that's that's. What uh, you said about. something really terrific earlier, and I I wanted to uh, uh, bring it up. Uh, Tony won't be alive. Oh, I'll be real happy to be a forgotten asterisk. I'll be real happy to be a forgotten a asterisk. I don't want my children to awaken to despair one day. The idea that we've committed ourselves to something from which we cannot return. Right. So we're not here to forestall extinction. We're here to, to steer humanity away from the tragedy of something way sinister, way more sinister. It's called commitment to extinction. 
It's the point past which we are mathematically unable to reverse the reality. Right? Once we commit, it's all over but the paperwork. We clocked out. Leaving the wow. building, a formality. Cosmic Dunkirk, Nate. Hmm. Not while I'm here. Uh, Noesis, guys, check them out. N-O-E-S-I-S. Tony, where can people, if they want to learn more about your mission and your company, where can they find you guys online? Noesisproject.com. We've got a a bunch of videos that explain what we just talked about in great detail. Um, I think you'll find some intelligence and some continuity there. That's what we're hearing. So I really do appreciate it. And um, again, I'm going to have to temper my passion, but I am here to do a job. Mm. No, yeah, you listen. Uh, nobody's going to accuse you of not being passionate about this, and I think that that's why you guys are doing well and having success, and are continue to expand the footprint footprint throughout the world. So we will link you up in the show notes, Tony. Noesisproject.com, guys. If you want to check them out, click the link in the in the bio or in the notes. Uh, hey, Tony, may this I, is a fantastic. Go ahead. May I, I want to add one thing to any listener? Please. I am accessible. I have to remain accessible. Anybody wants to talk to me, call me. I will get back to you if I am able. I need to stay accessible. I will defend this uh, platform. That's beautiful. Um, And uh, I really appreciate this, Tony, for a a really insightful and stimulating conversation. I'm going to have to go back and listen to this several times. Everyone, I hope you've got your notepads out and your pens and paper because there's a lot of uh, uh, knowledge dropped here. And and again, I really appreciate this, Tony. Well, Nate, thanks for having me. I appreciate you um, and, and good luck to you. Thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of the Optimal Life Podcast. If you haven't yet, please subscribe and follow the podcast wherever you're listening. And you could also leave a review. Apple Podcasts, of course, you could leave reviews and ratings. Spotify, you could leave reviews and ratings. And several and many other podcast apps. Wherever you may be listening, please tell a friend, tell a family member, let them know about the podcast, and we will see you next time.